Here we go. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. If you're there, say amen. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. But when you are tempted, he will show you a way out. Say a way out. So that you can endure. This is our core scripture that we began with last week and we'll keep coming back to it. And we talked about four truths about temptation. Number one was simply this. It is not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. The Bible says that Jesus faced every temptation known to man and yet he never sinned. Why is this important? Because if the enemy can convince you that you've already sinned, then he can convince you to go on and do the deed. And he'll put guilt on you and shame on you just for being tempted to convince you to go on and commit the sin and pull away from God. But it's not a sin to be tempted. Number two, you are never above temptation. I love what he said here. If you think you're standing strong, you're the very one that should be careful. The, the moment we think we've got it all together, we should be very careful for that is when the enemy is likely to sneak up on us and get us into places that we're not paying attention to. You're never above temptation. Number three, God will never tempt you. He will test you, but he will never tempt you. He will test you to make you stronger, to help grow you, to promote you to next levels, but he will never tempt you. Temptation has the connotation of trying to pull you backwards and pull you down and cause you to fail. God is not trying to cause you to fail. He wants you to win and succeed and overcome the works of the enemy in your life. Now, number four, there is always a way out. There's always a way out. And you have a decision to make, though, because God won't take the way out for you. He just provides the way out. You have to take the exit. And so we pick up right there, and, uh, and let me just ask you this question. What is your biggest temptation? What is your biggest temptation? What is that thing that you face most often? It doesn't even have to be the biggest and the ugliest. It could just be something that you face most often. The, the temptation to overspend, the temptation to overeat, the temptation to lust, the temptation to criticize, the temptation to compare yourselves with the person next to you. The Bible says don't compare yourself one to another. The, the temptation, maybe you have a temper and your temptation is to let your anger flare. What's your greatest temptation? Maybe some of you are out there saying, I don't have a weakness. Here's one for you. How about pride? We tell ourselves, I am a Christian, therefore I shouldn't be tempted by this. But do you know what? To be tempted is to be human. Being tempted doesn't make you less of a Christian, but being a Christian uh, reminds us that we have the power of Christ inside of us to overcome the temptation. Being a Christian doesn't mean the absence of temptation. It just means we are declaring war against it and we refuse to give in. But I love this part in verse 13. The temptation in your life, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. This is a great verse right here. Because what we want to do is make our temptation, our situation, our circumstances, 
our problems so unique that no one else can understand it, thus justifying why we gave in to the temptation. Well, Pastor, you just don't understand. If you knew what I was going through, you would understand. If you knew what I was facing, you would get it. If you, if you just realize the circumstances in my life, you would know why I need to do that thing. Pastor, it was so strong. You've got to get the whole picture. You're, you're, you're breaking it down too simple for me right now. You're making it too black and white. I live in that gray area, Pastor Randy. And so you've, you've got to get the full picture here. And now you can understand why I went on and gave in to the temptation. But here's what the Bible says. Your temptation is no different from what others are facing. And here's what Paul is saying. It's no different from what others are facing. It's no different from what Jesus faced. And yet... Others have overcome, and Jesus have, has overcome, so you have no excuse but to overcome in your life as well. Don't allow the uniqueness of your situation to convince you that it's, it's okay because of what's going on. No, God always gives you a way out. He always gives you a way out. Your situation isn't unique. The process of temptation looks like this. It starts with a thought, and then that thought turns into our imagination. We start imagining what it would be like, so we think about something, then we imagine what it would be like to actually have it or do it. Then number three, we start to justify why it would be okay to do what we've thought about and imagined. And then number four, we make a decision, could be even a small decision, to take one step forward, and then finally we commit the sin. It doesn't start with the sin. It starts with the thought, then the imagination, justification, choice, and sin. Now, last week, you remember me talking to you about how much I love donuts. Krispy Kremes especially. So wouldn't you know it, Monday morning, I, w I had to get up early. I left Sugarland, and I, wait a minute. <laughs> Take that off the screen. I'm getting hungry right now. Hallelujah. Okay. So Monday morning, I get up 4 o'clock in the morning, which I never do. I'm driving uh, through San Antonio. And so I I'm so hungry, I finally stop at McDonald's, and I got me a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit and a water, and I'm rolling on. I'm feeling good. I'm rolling. About that time, my wife calls. It's about 6.45 in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning. My wife calls me, and we're chatting for a little while, 15, 20 minutes or so, and suddenly she says, are you in San Antonio yet? I said, well, I'm just kind of pulling in. She goes, you're stopping at Krispy Kreme, aren't you? Well, I hadn't even thought about that, but now that you say it, thought. I wasn't even hungry. I blame this whole situation on her. I'm going to tell you right now. I wasn't even hungry. I wasn't even thinking about Krispy Kremes. I had just had McDonald's. I was full, and yet she dropped that thought in my head. You're stopping at Krispy Kreme, aren't you? And then I began to imagine... Krispy Kreme in a while. I talked about it a lot yesterday. It made me really want one. And I can't begin to imagine. I wonder if the hot and ready sign is on. And then next thing I knew, I began to ask myself, it would be okay. I mean, I'll just have one. And I started posting on Facebook, and you guys didn't help me. 
Yara saying to me, like, get some, Pastor Randon, but drink it with really, really cold milk. <laughs> Pastor Randon, you can just have one dozen. I, you're not helping me. So I turned to you for support, and you threw me under the bus. And I made a choice. So I, I justified. I can just do one. I'm about to work hard the rest of the day. I deserve this. I made a choice, and I pulled over just to see if the hot and ready would sign on. The hot sign was on. The devil is a liar. I walk in. It gets even worse. I say to the lady, I think I want some donuts. And she says, hold on a minute. Let me give you a sample. She walks over to the, not the case where they're cold. She is waiting for it to come out of the moving oven. And she pulls one off. Right as it comes out, it is dripping glaze as she's bringing it to me. And, I, and now I make a small choice. I'll just have a bite. And next thing I know, I was a half dozen in. Couldn't even sit up in my seat. I had to lay the seat back and drive. My belly was so big. Isn't that how it happens, though? And again, I'm blaming my wife. She started it, and then you didn't help me. That's how it works. You're walking through the mall. You see something and have a thought. That thought turns into an imagination. What would it be like to be with them? What would it be like to have those clothes? What it would be like to do that, to go to this place, go to that place, whatever it is. Start imagining it. Then you start justifying it. Well, I deserve it. And it'll be okay. I can just have one Krispy Kreme. You can't just have one Krispy Kreme. And the next thing you know, you make a small choice. And you find yourself living in sin. It, but, but the decision, the, the, the change has to come way back up there on the thought and the imagination. If we can get in, if we can intervene in our thoughts the Bible says to take every thought into captivity. Why? Because if you, if you get stuck on the thought, it says cast down vain imaginations. Why? Because vain imaginations live to learn, lead to justification and then a small choice which turns into the big sin that you've been trying not to commit. So somehow we have to, we have to insert the, the Word of God and a way out long before it gets to justification and choice and sin. We have to catch it in the thought stage. What happens in these critical moments of temptation is more important than you can imagine. Decide ahead of time how you should fight. Our, our scripture today uh, for, for this our, our part two is this. James chapter 4 verse 7. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is a great promise, but it is a difficult promise because it is one that requires something of us. The, the NIV says it like this. Uh, no, go back to the New Living Translation for me if you have that one. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. So we got to humble ourselves or submit ourselves. How do we fight our way out? Number one, we submit to God. We humble ourselves before, to any, before we do anything else. We lift God up. We're putting God back in his place of rule in our lives. You see, the world has a tendency to pull God down. As he pulls us away, it moves God out of the place of rule or the place of lordship in our life. And so when we submit ourselves to God, the first thing we're doing is saying, God, I've got to put you back in charge of my life. 
I've got to make you the Lord of my life again because I feel a temptation coming on. The devil is coming at me. And so before I try to resist the devil at all, the first thing I need to do is put God first again. We submit ourselves to God. Matthew 6 and 24, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve two masters. Specifically here, he's talking about God and money. But the principle is bigger than that. You cannot serve God and the world. You cannot serve the desires of God and the desires of your own life. You cannot serve God and serve the temptation and the sin in your life. So we have to submit to God. The, the struggle with that verse is we realize that if I'm serving sin and I am, if I am, because sin wants to enslave us. And so if I am serving the sin and serving the temptation in my life, then I can't be serving God. But here's the good news. If I can make sure and get God in the right place in my life, then I make a decision. I'm serving him. Then I won't be held down to be serving sin. If I choose to serve God, I don't have to serve sin. I can serve him. But in order to submit to God, we must first acknowledge the wrong. The enemy tries to say, you, well, you can partake and still serve God. The enemy tries to say things to us like, well, that's not really in the Bible. There's not really a verse that specifically says that for you. But what is a sin for you may not be a sin for another. What is a hang-up for you may not be a hang-up for another. What is a temptation for you may not be a temptation for another. If we refuse to acknowledge the wrong, there is no need to submit to God. And so the enemy begins to win right there. Submission to God reduces our vulnerability to temptation because he is our Lord. When we say as Jesus did, not my will but yours be done, it reduces our vulnerability to temptation. Remember we learned last week that temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. So temptation can be a number of things, but if you are serving that temptation rather than obeying God, that's what a temptation is. And it leads to sin. Say, so what does that look like? Even on a practical scale, God says to you, I, I want you to spend a little time in prayer, but instead you would rather sit down and watch a football game. That football game is promising you satisfaction at the cost of being obedient to God when he wanted you to pray. God says, I want you to spend a little time in worship. You've been down. I want to lift you up, but I, need, I want to engage with you in worship. But instead, we turn on something else and we start singing another song. And we start, doing, we, we start listening to other things. And God was just trying to say, man, I'm not telling you you can never listen to other things. But in this moment, I wanted you to worship me. And so we're trying to get satisfaction from the words of the world rather than the worship of our Savior. Temptation can come in so many different forms. You see, I, I, was, I was watching the other night, and I was watching Dr. Caroline Leaf, and I don't know if you've ever read anything of her or, or heard her speak, but she's a Christian. She's got several degrees in behavioral sciences and understanding of the brain and things like this. And she was talking about how that we have an addictive nature, all of us. Every person in this room has an addictive nature, nature, and God made us that way. But God made us to be addicted to Him. And so anytime 
We don't put God in a place of worshiping Him and being addicted to Him and wanting to be with Him. We find ourselves wanting and needing and being addicted to other things. So every addiction that you've faced in your life is actually a replacement of what should be an addiction to the presence of God. It, it, and, and as she read that, I was reminded of these verses that we're working on, working through. Verse 14 in, in 1 Corinthians 10 says this, So my dear friends, remember he's talking about being tempted, and, and there's always a way out. Flee from the worship of idols. When you're following temptation, you, you're, you're, you're making idols in your life that are taking you away from your worship of God. We replace what was meant for God and we rely on something else to satisfy what only God can satisfy. Are there things in your life that you have become addicted to? And I'm not just, just talking about uh, drug addictions or gambling addictions and those type of big addictions, but we can become addicted to a lot of things and never put the title on it. But is it pulling your heart away from God? So number one, we have to submit ourselves to God. Number two, James tells us we must resist the devil and then he will flee from us. So we have to resist the devil. How many times have you tried to resist the devil without first submitting to God? It's useless. You cannot win unless you first submit to God. I, I, I've spent a lot of time in the woods. And as a young boy, I was always told that the animals that can kill you, bears and lions and things, they're more scared of you than you are of them. That's a lie. That's not true. I'm scared to death of meeting a lion in the woods without a weapon. I'm pretty scared with a weapon. I've had a few encounters with big animals in my life, and it, it, it puts a fear in you that is serious. Here's the thing. I'm pretty confident. The, the Bible says that the enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's coming for you. I, I am not Samson. I know some of you think I'm just that strong and that big and that I could handle a lion like Samson did and rip the jaw from its mouth. I can't. So unless I have a weapon in my hand, I'm running from the lion. I can't handle the lion. He's bigger and stronger than me. He can take me. But I have to, I have, to have a weapon in my, in my hand. Now with a weapon, I'm going to shoot him in a long distance, about seven times, make sure he's dead before we go get him. Resisting the devil without submission to God is as futile as fighting a lion without a weapon. So before we, before we start resisting the devil, we have to make sure that we are, have God on our side and we have submitted to him and we have the weapons that God wants us to fight with. We've got to know that the God in us is bigger than the God of the world. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I was telling this story to a friend uh, at my son's football practice this week. A few years ago, I was playing on a, a very competitive softball team, slow-pitch softball team. And on Tuesday nights, sometimes we played tournaments, and then sometimes we played a, a, a really competitive league on Tuesday nights. And everyone knew each other. And I think I was the only one there that would not be drinking all night long. So when you add competitive guys, competition, alcohol, you can imagine it led to the police being on site at all times. Lots of opportunities for witnessing. So this one day, I was short a player, it was like right at the last minute, and I called a friend of mine, who was a pretty good little player, didn't need to be playing competitive ball, but he was a good little player, but he was a little guy, 
Uh, he was just, he's just not a big guy, great guy, uh, but he had a loud mouth. And so we go out there one day, and I'm like standing on third base, and he starts mouthing with the guy who's pitching on the other team. And they are going back and forth, and the pitcher on the other team was not a little man. And, you know, and he's trying to, you know, he's trying to be tough and, you know, looks a little crazy. I'm not going to lie. And they're going back and forth. And this friend of mine who's a little guy, he's walking out of the dugout like he's going to do something. I mean, he's throwing up his hands, and he's like, come on, let's do this thing then. And the guy on the pitcher's mound who is bigger than me starts walking towards him. Like, I mean, I'm like, oh, my God, here it goes. I'm going to have to break up a fight right here. I'm going to show up on Sunday with black eyes, and I'm going to have to tell the church I didn't do it. I was trying to save a friend. And all of a sudden, that pitcher stopped, and he froze in his place, and he started backing up, and he just started saying, you just need to keep your mouth shut. You just need to keep your mouth shut. You just need to. And it was weird because, like, I mean, he was going in. It was about to go down right here, and all of a sudden, something changed. Well, my friend thought it was him. He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. You get back out there on the pitcher's mound. You throw the ball. <laughs> what he didn't realize that I could see and that the pitcher could see from our perspective was I had another friend of mine who's about 6'5", 340, and solid muscle, and he comes walking out behind the little guy. And so this little guy's like, yeah. <laughs> and my friend, his name is Heavy, he's like, What? pitcher's like okay never mind like you I've got him no <laughs> you know what that's how we have to be with God don't start submitting uh, resisting the devil until you know that the God that is bigger than you and bigger than the enemy is standing behind you and saying no you get back out there on the mound so we have to resist the devil 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, we, we have weapons to fight against him. He says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We're trying to knock down human reasoning. We're trying to knock down the ways of the world that are convincing you that it's okay. Well, everybody's doing this now. This is accepted in society. And God is saying, not for you, it's not. But So there are human reasoning. Well, I just thought it would be okay. Those justifications. No, no, no. The weapons that we're fighting with, they knock those, that human reasoning down. And it knocks down false arguments. You know those words that the enemy tries to use against you to twist you and, and to convince you that it's okay to do the sin. And remember when we talked about how... He tries to tell you that to be tempted is to go on in sin. Therefore, you should be, feel guilty and shame. That is a false argument that the enemy uses. But the weapons that we're fighting with strike those down. The NIV version gives us another glimpse. He writes it like this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to tear down strongholds. You've got to know that when you fight with the weapons of God, you have divine power to defeat the enemy, to resist the enemy. But if you're fighting on your own, I can't help you. What are some practical weapons? What are some practical weapons? Well, reading the Word of God, knowing what He tells us to do. Uh, prayer. Prayer is a practical weapon. You ought to be praying every day of your life. 
Some of you say, well, I can't pray for an hour every day, Pastor Randon. That's fine. I get it. But you know what? You ought to be praying throughout the day. Just talking with God throughout the day. Keep yourself strong. When, when, you, when you're going through things at work, take a minute. Pray. Get close to God before you respond. Just spend some time praying throughout the day, and, and that will help you as you're fighting temptation. Well, another one is uh, to be filled with the Spirit, and we'll talk about this more next week. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. He'll fight for you. He'll help you. And the third is this, worship. And this is one of my favorites. This is one of my favorites. You will often see me with uh, my headphones in, and maybe you can relate to this. So you go to work, and, and you're sitting there working, and the girl walks by, the, the secretary walks by your desk. She's not quite reaching the dress code on the length of her skirt. No one else seems to be complaining. You're trying to look away, but you can feel that thought and that imagination coming in. Ladies, uh, maybe it's not the girl in the skirt for you. Maybe it's the, it, maybe it's the guy that comes in from, the, from outside, and he's just a little sweaty. Not so much that you don't want to be around him, but just enough that you want to get closer to him. No? Some of you are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no? Okay. Whatever your fancy is, they come walking through. And so you say, okay, I have an opportunity here. I don't want to sin. I don't want to be tempted. I don't want to be thinking about that. I'm trying to get rid of the thought. So you open up your phone. You put your headphones in. And you decide, I'm going to worship a little bit. This is what you should do. And so maybe we start with a little something like this. All by yourself. No one else is listening. In your head, you just start worshiping. You split the sea so I can walk right through it because, God, I can't take this on my own. And I need some help right now. Right? What's, I don't know what your song is. You rescued me. God, I need you to rescue me so I can stand and sing that I am a child of God. And we begin worshiping and we, get, we begin praying. And you don't even have to lift your hands, but in your heart, your eyes are closed. And it just takes a moment and suddenly as you begin listening and worshiping God and, and you have a chance to be with Him, it drives out those thoughts and those vain imaginations and that justification and, 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 that, and, and all those things. We have a chance. But how many of us, instead of turning that on, put our headphones on? She's just walked by, and we do it like this. I heard you. I heard you, bunch of sinners. Come to the altar today. Yeah, just so you know, you may never see what you just saw again. Rakita, I will be confiscating that. It's too late, it's live. Oh, no. 
I got more rhythm than you thought. Okay, well, hey, listen, some songs just do that to you, you know. But what did we just do? We had an opportunity to worship our way through, but instead we turned on the wrong song. And we gave in to the temptation. How many times in our life have we gone the wrong direction when God is trying to say, submit to God and resist the devil, and we are going the opposite way? What do you do? Do you submit to God and resist the devil? Or do you dive in? I want to challenge you to be a worshiper in your life every day, all day. Stay close to God. You go home today, you ought to take a look at your phone and look at the songs on there and say, at the top of my playlist, is there a worship one that I can get to in a time of need really quickly? The fourth thing is this, you, you, you just need to get some help. Just get help. You need to join a life team. We've got a great life team uh, this, this, uh, this session it's celebrate recovery, and it's helping you overcome addictions and problems and pains in your life. You can get through it. You might just need some help. Join a life team. Here's what the Bible says, James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. What you're going through, you don't have to go through alone, but grab someone with you. Call someone on the phone and say, man, I am struggling. Listen, even AA understands that you need a sponsor and you need to submit to a higher power. And they have understood. These principles were founded in the Word of God. They don't put Christianity on them, but they're biblical principles that sometimes you need someone to help you go through a thing. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. One of the ways we obey God is by sharing in each other's burdens. When you're down, let me pick you up. Let me help you with that. When you're struggling, call me. Call a friend. Call, a, call your life team. Call someone and get some help. When you fight with divine power, God's weapons, you can resist the devil and he will flee to you. But you have to get it out there. You got to talk to some people. You got to get help because sin grows best in the dark. Sin grows best in the dark. As long as you keep it hidden and try to deal with it on your own, it will continue to grow. Get it out into the light. You don't have to tell the whole world, but get some help. Finally, number three, eliminate temptation before you even fight. Sometimes you're fighting a battle you never should have fought. You never should have fought the battle, and yet you are because you didn't eliminate the temptation before the battle began. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Don't do as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Verse 15. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Get a picture of what he's saying here. There's a path that evildoers, there's a path that that sin is on. There's a path that that temptation on. There is a road that is on. And he's saying, don't go their way. Don't go what they're doing. Don't even think about it. Don't go down that road. Turn away from the road and keep moving around it. How many temptations have you faced and given into in your life? You were trying to battle them, but you never would have if yesterday you would have taken a left instead of taking a right. 
if you would have said no to going to that event or no to going on that date or no to going to that place or no to going to the mall when you knew you weren't supposed to be spending or no to this or no to criticizing and thinking those thoughts and said yes to lifting another up. How many times would we have not followed the way of temptation if we had stepped back and changed our course yesterday? How many battles are you facing today that you could have eliminated yesterday if you had never gone down the road? There is no sense in trying to test yourself to see if you are strong enough to overcome the temptation. You don't even just fight that urge. There is no reason. If you're an alcoholic, don't, don't go into a bar just to see if you can come out alive without drinking. It's not worth it. How many things could you eliminate in your life? One last verse, Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 18. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. This was Jesus. Because Jesus suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. First off, you've got to know that Jesus wants to help you with temptations in your life. But I also want to pick up on something else here. He suffered. When you're being tempted to do things that you know are not right, it's, it's a suffering that we go through in trying to fight against it. And the enemy is pounding on us and beating us up and saying, you can't do this, just give in. You're guilty anyway. You'll never make it out. Even if you say no today, you'll say yes tomorrow. You're terrible, you're, you're, you're weak. You're not even a Christian. And he beats on us, and he beats on us, and he beats on us, and he beats on us. And then he, he pulls up, you remember what you did last week. Why are you trying to say no today when last week you said yes? You're already a sinner. You're already full of guilt, and you're already full of shame. And he beats us up, and he beats us up, and he beats us up, and we simply are suffering. So we give in. We try to ease the pain, but it doesn't ease the pain you to know that Jesus understands your suffering, but he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants to heal you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to get all of that off of you. You don't have to be abused by the enemy. You don't have to be beaten up by the devil. You don't have to be uh, kicked and punched by the mistakes of your past. There's hope. James chapter 4, verse 7 through 10, and I'm closing now. Reading from the Message Bible, same verse as we read earlier, but from the Message Bible. So let God work His will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and He'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master for it's the only way you'll get on your feet. I love that. Say a quiet yes to God. Let him work in you. Humble yourself before him. And you know what? Forgive yourself because he's already forgiven you. And allow God to lift you back up. If you've been beaten up in your life by mistakes and struggles and sins, forgive yourself today 
God's already forgiven you. God, forgive me. Now then you forgive yourself and allow him to lift you back up and stand you on your feet. Shame and guilt can't stay. For my God has placed his righteousness upon me and I'm walking in the boldness of Christ, not the shame of my humanity. Just close your eyes with me for just a moment. If you're watching online, close your eyes with me. Are you suffering? Are you suffering with sin and shame? The enemy's beating you up. You're beating yourself up. Other people are beating you up. Words, mistakes, struggles. I want to pray for you today. God would heal you and allow you to forgive yourself so that you could stand up. You could be lifted up by God himself. You could walk tall as a forgiven child of God. If you've been suffering, would you just slip your hand up? I want to pray for you. Yeah, there's hands going up all over the room. If you're watching online, raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. You can place them down really quickly. Father, I pray for every person in this room and under the sound of my voice, those listening live today and those that will hear this message many times over. Lord, heal us, forgive us, cover us, God. Lord, you teach us that you can wash us clean, wash away all of our struggles. So, Father, remove the words of the enemy that are beating us up. Remove the mistakes of our past. Lord, we know they happen, but don't allow them to be used as weapons against us. I come against guilt and shame. And I release forgiveness, forgiveness of ourselves, forgiveness of others. We don't have to walk in that anymore. But we can walk in the righteousness of your son, Jesus, who went to the cross for us. Heal us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.